Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. All right. We are back. Looking swanky on YouTube. You definitely look swanky. Oh, I just meant the improved graphics and oh. whatnot. Well, yes, I thought you were talking about your button-up shirt, actually. Oh, yeah, no, I... This is uh, this is Monday's attire. Usually, you guys see me in Sunday's attire. Uh, if you can't tell, we're recording a day late. We are. And if you're on YouTube, you can see who we are. But if you're not, that's Megan. And that's Tyler. Yeah, and we're Whiskey and Wonder, which you can see on the bottom of the page if you're on YouTube. And we are a podcast where every week we review a whiskey and we teach the other something that has made us wonder. Yes, absolutely. We, uh, you know, we've learned a lot. I've learned a, I've, I've really learned a lot. I've on learned this podcast. a ton doing this podcast. I was, I was actually, uh, actually, we'll, we'll, I'll save it and we'll get into it in the, um, in the open segment. I'll, I'll tell you what happened this past week. Okay. But as we mentioned, um, we are whiskey and wonder. We're recording a day late today. Um, I, I, honestly, I'm not really sure why. I'll, I can tell you why in the open segment. Okay. I just know I got a text from Megan saying, hey, can we postpone a day? So, uh, but we are still here. We're ready to go. And uh, we really don't have any announcements um, other than check out the store. We've got uh, the glassware. Uh, Megan's got the blog going on Patreon. So if you want to read her... Um, Mediocre, mediocre music. For some reason, I was stuck on melodical. <laughs> you, I think you said that last week too. Yeah, you want I'm, it to be melodical. I do. I want you to put song lyrics and stuff. You're I guess. the melodical one. I don't know, um, but yeah, if you want that, uh, you can get that through our Patreon. All that, all that stuff is in the description as far as like the Patreon, YouTube, and all that social media stuff. And speaking of the YouTubes. I highly suggest everybody go check us out. I put some new graphics like this one on YouTube. Uh, so Tyler's getting fancy. He's working on video editing and stuff. And I am, and I've made some things. And so we're gonna we're gonna try to get get some of this stuff. But as you can see, if you're on YouTube, uh, all our so uh, a lot of our social media stuff just popped up. Um, if you're on the audio version, check us out at whiskeyandwonder.com, uh, YouTube, just Google or just search on YouTube whiskey and wonder and we'll come up. Um, I, I discovered also on YouTube, apparently you have to have a thousand subscribers. No, maybe it was a hundred subscribers to be able to get a custom YouTube URL. So once we hit a hundred subscribers, we can get youtube.com slash whiskey and wonder to make it easy on everybody. Okay. So, so please subscribe on subscribe, YouTube. Like, you know, do all this if you're on YouTube. Yeah. You know, I just hit the button there. It's my new toy. So I'm going to play <laughs> with it a, a shit ton. Um, <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at whiskey podcast. Megan and I each have our own Instagrams, which popped up on the YouTube earlier. You can find them in the show notes. Um, and please, everybody, email us. Uh, you can reach us at contact at whiskeyandwonder.com. Um, you know, we tell us what you liked, what you didn't like. Mm, excuse me, I'm already burping and we haven't had any whiskey. Um, we, we, you know, just communicate with us. Let us yeah. know how you feel and what you think. So we have something to read during our mail time. 
Um, I guess the other thing I left out is the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash whiskey and wonder. If you want early access to episodes and access to Megan's melodical musings that may be mediocre, (laughs) (laughs) um, you can get all that through Patreon. So go, uh, if you feel like it, go support us there. It's like five, five or 10 bucks a month, whichever one you choose. Um, I am thinking about doing some live streaming stuff, almost like a hangout session. Cool. Cool. Um, where I'm like, I found myself this past Saturday just sitting here at the computer. Uh, now in fairness, I was working, I was working hard on, on some of the production stuff and changing some things around. And I thought to myself, this would be pretty neat just to have people in discord or, or on a stream or something, maybe do like a live YouTube video or something so that, you know, people can just interact and I, while I'm working, if they want to say, Hey, tell me what they're drinking. Usually I'm drinking something. So yeah, I've got something to do. So, you know, that might be something that we offer to our Patreon, our patrons on Patreon and uh, those that donate. So, um, we'll toss that idea around, but yeah, I like that. I guess on that note, guys, we just want to say thanks to everybody that's, that's, uh, supporting us that, that is on Patreon, that is on, that's donated through PayPal, checking out whiskeyandwonder.com and, and purchasing, purchasing stuff from the store, you know, all, Mm -hmm. all that goes to help us, you know, fund better equipment and buy, buy the whiskeys and do all these things. Um, get Tyler new toys. Well, not not so much to get me new toys, <laughs> just to get you guys new toys because oh, yes, it shows it's for you. I, I so I had I tried not to mention it too much. I do have a new toy, electronic toy behind the scenes uh, that's helping me do some of this uh, graphics work, and it's actually going to replace some of the equipment we had. We're gonna probably move on from that, and we're working on getting a second one for Megan. So, uh, for the time being, you know, we're going to hybridize our old stuff and, and this new stuff, but I, I have, I came across a great idea this week that I'm going to share in the open segment. Um, and I think we can also turn that into something for our patrons to have an input on as well. So I think without further ado, let's, let's go ahead and jump right let's on in. Move on there. The open segment. All right. Well, I will start off by letting you know why we're recording a day late. Uh, just so happened that uh, this week was Houston and I ended up being unlucky enough to work the complete opposite schedules. Uh, every time I'm at work, he's at home. Every time he's home, I'm at work. Uh, and so the only time we were able to spend any time together at all for the next seven days was Sunday night. So I wanted to see if I could uh, stay home Sunday night and make some dinner and spend some time with him. And uh, I was very grateful to that uh, Tyler was like, yeah, we can record Monday. So here we are recording Monday. Um, that sounds like a good reason. So yeah, I'm more than happy to accommodate. Um, how's the week been? I've been, uh, I don't know if you can tell with the 
tone, quality of my voice, whatever, but I've been struggling with a sinus infection for the past week. So um, I've been fighting that and kind of, I think I, I feel like I'm losing, I'm losing that battle. So uh, I'm going to try very hard not to sniffle or make any weird um, noises in this, uh, this episode today. But uh, that's been the biggest thing this week. Um, and I'll, I will yeah. try very hard uh, folks listening and watching. Um, well, actually I won't be able to do the videos. Um, but as far as the folks listening, I have listened to it through the headphones and it is not pleasant to hear. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hear Sorry. Megan sniffling. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I am going to try to take note every time she does sniffle and edit it out so that you guys <laughs> don't hear it. Um, so how long you said it's a sinus infection that's just coming is it out it's not allergies because my allergies have been it doesn't I don't think it's allergies yet I haven't I have bad allergies but my allergy medicine isn't helping and I'm on prescription allergy medicine so I think it's okay. I think it's something different well that that really kind of sucks yeah um anything else fun and exciting happened this week um, I guess I can share with you my embarrassing story from dinner last night. Yeah. So I decided to, um, make homemade mac and cheese, uh, and Tyler makes bomb homemade mac and cheese. It <laughs> is amazing. I was about to say, I've got a recipe for you if you want. <laughs> well, I decided to do everything, um, like with, without a recipe. I would just did it in my head. Free balling. Free balling. Yeah. Um, and so I got my milk and my cheese and my butter, um, and all that stuff. And I had the milk and the cheese and the butter on the saucepan. And then it's not sticking together. It's staying, the cheese is just melting and staying separated with the milk. And did you make a roux? Uh, I forgot, a f I forgot flour. I don't, I don't usually put, you don't put flour. Not unless I need to thicken it up. Oh, it oh, was... Oh, wait, maybe I do. I'd, I'd have to look at my recipe. I don't remember. I probably sat there and, like, simmered this cheese and milk substance for, like, 20 minutes. Oh, I've done longer. And I've done it for, like, 40 minutes before. I would, and I, it was not, like, coming together. And I was like, what in the fuck am I f missing? And it popped in my head, oh, shit, I need to have flour. Um, then I went and I grabbed some flour and added it in and that got it all to stick together and then, uh, was able to make it into mac and cheese. Um, so I felt kind of dumb for not remembering flour and I should have looked at a recipe, but you live and you learn. So, so what are you, are you looking up your recipe? Yeah. Okay. I, I just realized I have lost my recipe. Oh no. It was on my other phone that crapped <gasps> out. You're gonna have to refind it, or I, I am. Or I something. might have it saved somewhere. Um, but I guess we'll uh, we'll come back to that. Yeah. On a different day, because I don't have it. Sad. That's a some that's damn good mac and cheese too. That is frustrating. I there's so many things like that on my old phone that just crapped out that I've I've just lost that I'd never realized. I only had it in that one spot or, mm -hmm. you know, um, so it feels like it's been a long time since we've been sitting here. 
I know it's only been an extra day, but it <laughs> feels like it's been a week a, and a day. Feels and like it's been one of those weeks where I went on vacation or something. It it was just a long week last week. Um so I got the opportunity to yesterday partake in a um homemade I guess you could say homemade whiskey tasting. Um, uh, some buddies of mine invited me and pretty much everything that was brought was something that was allocated here, which is very, very, very difficult to find. Um, let me see if I can find the picture and read off some of the stuff I got to try yesterday. I just, know you got, uh, just off the top of my head, I got Knob to try Creek 15, Knob Creek 15 Blanton's, uh, let's see here. Larceny E.H. Taylor small batch Weller antique one oh. Uh, actually, I didn't try that Weller one oh seven. Uh, Weller foolproof. Elmer T. Lee, uh, Elijah Craig barrel proof, which was very good as well. Um, I also tried a Japanese whiskey that wasn't part of the original lineup called the Yamakaze, uh, which is aged. It's a single malt Japanese whiskey at age 12 years, and it was fabulous. Um, I want to try it real bad. So we want to have all of those on the podcast at some point. Um, so maybe one day we will, but it was a great time. I appreciate shout out to John and Josh and Ryan and Aldo, the guys that were there, and Josh especially for hosting and everybody for bringing, uh, bringing something lovely to sip on. Nice. Um, and that kind of leads me into my idea for our patrons is uh, the host. I'm not going to mention who hosted. Didn't you just mention who hosted? Did I? I'm pretty sure you said oh. thank you, Josh, for oh. hosting. Well, oops. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tells you how much I pay attention when I talk. Um, yeah, so shout out to Josh then. Okay, so Josh had what's called Infinity Bottles. Have you ever heard of an infinity bottle? I hadn't. I had no, no idea what it was. No, what's an infinity bottle? An infinity bottle is essentially a decanter that is filled with your own personal blend of whiskeys. So he takes everything he likes and he pours two ounces of it in this bottle and mixes it all up. And it usually comes out tasting Pretty damn good. Really? Now he's he does one well, he does one for bourbons and one for scotch and he breaks them up like that. But I tried the bourbon one and it was delicious. Okay. So maybe that's something that we could do is have uh an infinity bottle. An infinity for... bottle that uh maybe we let our patrons decide if I if the whiskey goes in or not. I mean, that's a pretty good idea. I like yeah. that. So, you know, maybe we'll we'll uh, explore that idea. You guys write us an email. Let us know how you feel about that. This would probably be something we would ex- offer exclusively to our patrons on Patreon, though. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, write us, write us in and let us know if you support that idea. That's a cool idea. I like that idea. Um, the other... The other big news, I guess, and it might have happened 
We might have touched on it last week, but baseball is back. Yes, baseball's yeah, back. We touched on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And did we touch on uh, Fredward and the Braves? Uh, you mentioned Fredward. Okay. Well, Fredward has officially signed with the Dodgers. Oh, no. And you the, didn't want him to. I did not. But the Braves made a move that forced his hand. They traded for a different first baseman who's statistically better, younger, cheaper. Um, so I'm excited for what they've got going on with with Olsen, uh, the new new first baseman. He's just from Atlanta. He's a hometown kid. So, um, But reading some of the articles and some of the stuff that's come out after, after uh, Freddie's free agency played out, and if you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Freddie Freeman of the Braves. Who has been a lifetime brave? He, you know, he's always said he wanted to retire. Brave. It was he was the face of the franchise. Um, and now he's a Dodger. Now he's a Dodger. It it he seemingly held out of negotiations last season to try and get paid. Um, and the more I've read about it, it seems like either Freddie's agents. Or Freddie himself wanted to hold out until the last minute, the last second, and get the Braves to like pay, kind of essentially hold them hostage. Mm-hmm. And uh, the GM of the Brave just, Braves just flat out uh, not playing that flat game. Flat out said, "Yeah, he he removed the Braves from the equation," and apparently Freddie when he found out that the Braves had traded for Olsen, was pretty upset. I bet if he Um, wanted to retire a Brave, I mean, he's older in his career, right? Like, he's not a young... Yep. I mean, he's not an old guy, but for baseball. He wanted young man's money. Or or he he wanted big money and six years and, you know, just for... I'm sure they would have signed him to a one or two year deal at the end. But, you know, I, I don't know the details, but from what it seems like, um, and I know specifically reading something that Chipper Jones, uh, it was, it was listening to an interview with Chipper Jones and reading the transcript of it. Uh, it sounds like Chipper told him not to basically not to fuck around with the British front office. He's like, it, it, don't do that. Uh, Freddie or his agent, didn't listen or both and the Braves pretty much did what they had to do to better their ball club long term and that left Freddie out to dry and from what I've gathered the Dodgers offer came way down and the Dodgers was the second place he wanted to to end up he's going to end up making less money than what the Braves had offered because of the California taxes um so and and Chipper just said he had called him and talked to him and that he was when he found out about the Olsen trade he was floored he was just just like I don't want to say heartbroken but you know he was unhappy he was he he thought he was coming back to Atlanta he thought he'd be a career brave and I think he Freddie's the type of guy that's so nice I don't think he realizes that the agent works for him instead of him just going along with what the agent says. So, yeah. Oh, well. 
It's definitely a sad day. I've got a Freeman jersey in my closet. I've got a ball signed by Freddie Freeman. I've, you know, that that was that day when they traded for Olsen, the writing was, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't no writing on the wall. The writing was on the paper. Um, That was a hard day. It, it felt like a breakup. But yeah. then the next day, it's like, you know, you had the new new partner and you're like, yeah, okay. It's Maybe fun to look back is... on the good memories, but I'm not going to focus on the bad stuff. I'm going to move on with my life and get over it. So that's, that's how I think most of the Atlanta fans have, have handled it. So I hope Freddie, I hope the Dodgers suck, but I hope Freddie <laughs> does well. So I'll get off my high horse and my monologue there. And I guess, uh, did you have anything else you wanted for this? Uh, no. All right, then we'll jump in and talk about this Harry Whiskey. Opening the bottle. This is a whiskey called Goat. <laughs> G-O-A-T. Greatest of all time whiskey that's a big claim that is a huge claim and it is distilled and bottled in indian trail north carolina so that's just a stone's throw away from where tyler and i are sitting today recording um it got a good pop it did have a nice little pop um this is a family company uh and their website uh, says that our whiskey is fermented from a pure grain mash, high in rye and barley content, giving it a flavor unlike other whiskeys. Our whiskey is distilled multiple times to ensure that the taste is smoother than the rest, and our charred Carolina white oak aging process gives us a smoky flavor you won't find unless you're drinking the greatest of all time, goat whiskey. <laughs> So, uh, way back in the 50s in South Georgia, there was a farmer named Doodle Sasser. Old Doodle. (laughs) Old Doodle. (laughs) At some point in his illustrious farming career, he made the decision to allocate some of his corn crop towards a more lucrative business. The fruits of this new venture eventually caught the attention of the law, who decided that they weren't happy having untaxed liquor operations in their town. After Doodle had some quality jail time to reconsider what, according to the law, was a poor life decision, he ultimately decided to go back to farming and leave the liquor business to other folks. So here we are, more than half a century later, with a family recipe for amazing liquor and a strong desire to avoid any issues with the law, picking up where Doodle Sasser left off. So this is a uh, family-owned business. Um, and, uh, I'm going to be honest, there's not a whole lot about them online because this is a very small, uh, little company. Um, I couldn't find any official like whiskey reviews or anything that had any tasting notes. So I think Tyler and I are going to be the first to kind of say what we think, uh, about this whiskey on an official, like capacity or official level. So I, I like I, that you think we're official. <laughs> I mean, 69 episodes has to be, we're official-ish. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, We're something, that's for sure. Whoa. 
Yeah, I smelt this, and I'm sorry. I realize I, 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 have, on my mouse. I have been saying smelt wrong. That is my redneck coming out of me. I always thought that was the past tense of smell, but it is smelled. smelled. I smelled it. Smelt is what you do to metal. Metal. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I smelt it. He who smelt it dealt it. I definitely smelt it, but I did not dealt this. Um, it smells like a campfire in a fucking bottle. It. I don't think it smells like a campfire. I think it smells like just char, just ash, like... Which I guess kind of what a campfire smells like, but it, like it, I don't get smoke and and all the other stuff associated with a campfire. I just get ash. Oh, I I'm get. I'm seriously not looking forward to this based <laughs> off the smell. I get um, I get a campfire. I definitely get you know a char, but I get like a a wood um smell to it, like it like I guess probably the oak that they use. Um, and I'm getting a. Uh, a smoky, um, like it honestly, it smells like you say it smells just burnt like char, but it smells like a campfire to me. I smell the wood, I smell the smoke, I smell the char. Um, but it, I smell campfire. I can't, I can't say anything else. It smells really good. Terrified about what it tastes like. Real scared. I looked at the legs, and the legs ran down the side of the glass pretty fast. Um, I think, if memory serves, that means it's not going to be sweet. <laughs> um, I also, it is 80 proof, which is on the low end, um, considering some of the stuff I had yesterday was in the 120 range. Okay, yeah. Um, so. the, yeah, this is pretty low. Um, it's a lovely, lovely shade of amber, but dark it's, amber. It's yeah. a dark amber and it's cloudy. It's not crystal clear. It's yeah, it's that's a, true. It's cloudy. A lot of whiskeys that we've done here have been very, very crystal clear. You can look through them. Uh, this is a cloudy whiskey. Cloudy smells like campfire. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that this is a whiskey that we got. We had. Donate to us from a friend, Bella, who was on the podcast just a couple episodes ago, uh, and her partner, Stephen. So thank you, friend Bella and friend Stephen, for donating a goat to us. And Tyler, I saw you take a sip. What are you feeling? I'm going to take a sip as soon as you start talking. Um, well, the first thing I noticed was cherry on the lips and the tip of the tongue. And then it fades into uh, ashes from a campfire. <laughs> Um, it's got a, the finish is lingering, uh, it's a lingering burn, but it's not that, I mean, it's peppery, but it's not, not overly peppery. So, uh, I don't know. The overwhelming flavor is ash, char. Burnt wood. Yeah. Um, Charcoal, yeah, definitely overwhelmingly. Um, it tastes like I, I licked a campfire stick. Like, um, I am having a hard time pulling up anything besides campfire taste and smell. Um, 
Let's. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, I I don't really know what else to say about that. I can, if I use my imagination, like before it gets to the real, like charry flavor. Um, I can imagine like some sweetness, like maybe a little hint of marshmallow to go with the campfire theme. Um, and it kind of tastes like, so you had a marshmallow on a campfire and you burnt it. And then instead of just eating the marshmallow, you ate the stick. (laughs) (laughs) You you had me in the first half. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, I, I don't really disagree with that. Uh, like I said, for me, it's very strong cherry. I wouldn't even say strong cherry. It's it's just cherry on the tip and ash char. I don't want to call it ash, but char in the middle and spice on the end. The spice is, is going away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, at, uh, I... I think it tastes like you ate the stick that you cooked a marshmallow on. You took the marshmallow off and you threw that in the campfire. So you only get a little bit of marshmallow, just like the remnants of the goo on the stick. And then you ate all the wood and the burnt off the stick. Um, I don't know how to feel about it yet. So yeah, I don't get cherry on the initial. I'm I'm calling that sweetness on the initial taste marshmallow. You get the oh, tiny little marshmallow. Oh, it's not sweet to me at all. It's, oh, really? It's dead on fruity. Really? Like dark fruit. Oh, I don't get that I, at all. I, I get a cherry. sweet, sweet, not a fruit at all on the front. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the bottle here trying to see. <clears throat> well, I don't know. I don't get cherry. Tried it again. It's it's a sweet on the flavor for me. Uh, sweet, wood char, ash, the end. What are you laughing at? I think it's worth noting this is a whiskey. This is not a bourbon. This is not a scotch. Not an Irish whiskey. Not it, a rye. Not a rye. It meets none of the criteria for any of those. And I just happened to uh, catch this little snippet on the back of the bottle. <clears throat> Much like last week with the Whistler in there description you guys probably shouldn't have this oh no aged no less than one week because (laughs) greatness shouldn't take forever (laughs) i i applaud what you're trying to do there i do too but um um... (laughs) but yeah so all right well one week aged whiskey guys still better than wolfburn Still better than Wolfburn. This is true. <laughs> I will go ahead and confirm that. That's true. Um, yeah. Well. Let's uh sip on this here, cloudy boy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll move on and we'll uh we'll learn something. Sip on this and learn. It's time for the wonder segment. Before we get too far into this, uh, my gut tells me that water is not gonna. I uh, just my gut says that. So, I mean, I'm gonna try it with water and later on, but yeah, uh, I will too. I have a feeling your gut is right in this instance, but uh, 
All right. I don't have a lot more to say about this right now. And that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) This week, I quickly fell down a rabbit hole and realized it was time to introduce another series to our wonder segments. We've all heard the tales. My cousin's neighbor's ex-girlfriend's dad once had this or that happen to them. Some sort of bizarre, creepy experience that settles down in memory and gets retold again and again. Only the next time you hear the tale, it's my coworker's daughter's babysitter had this or that happen to them. And then it becomes the cashier at the grocery store. He has a friend who has a friend whose next door neighbor had this or that happen to them. Blah, blah, blah. And so it goes ad infinitum. These tales are known as urban legends, and they've existed for as long as society has existed. Mikkel Jacoven is a folklorist at the University of Wales and has said, Life is so much more interesting with monsters in it. The same, yeah, it is the same with these legends. They're just good stories. There is heavy debate in the scientific community on what qualifies as an urban legend. The big argument is whether they are too fantastical to be true, or maybe at least partially based on fact. They seem to spread via word of mouth, or digitally via email and such today, and involve an FAO... Nope, I'm dyslexic. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, in my head, I'm dyslexic too, because I thought you were spelling fart. Uh, we're off to a good start. As always. They seem to spread via word of mouth or digitally via email and such today and involve an F-A. Nope. F-A-R-T. God, why can't I do this right? They involve an F-O-A-F clause. An F-A. Nope. F-O-A-F. Yep, an F-O-A-F clause. I don't even have it in front of me, guys. I want you all to know that. I just memorized it. It, I don't know why I'm struggling with this. An F-O-A-F clause makes finding an origin for a source nearly impossible due to it being recounted from a friend of a friend, which is what that stands for, friend of a friend. John or Jan, I couldn't found a pronunciation for his name, but it's spelled J-A-N, um, but I think it's John, but again, I'm not sure. John Harold Brunvend is a world-renowned folklorist, basically credited today as having popularized the concept of an urban legend. Born in 1933, Brunvend attended Michigan State University in 1955 with a major in journalism. He'd earn his Master's of Arts degree in English from the same university. At school, he met his mentor, a professor named Richard Dorson, also known as the father of American folklore and a potential wonder segment in the future, maybe, and decided to follow in the path of folklore. I won't get too much more into Brunvan's history because this wonder segment isn't about him, but in concession, this wonder segment would not exist without John Harold Brunvand. 
It was when teaching folklore at the University of Utah, he realized that his students weren't able to connect with folklore. Quote, they always seemed to think that folklore belonged to somebody else, usually in the past, and that something was quaint and outdated. End quote. In an attempt to connect their beliefs that folklore can indeed be modern, he asked his students to discuss their own lives. Urban legends, Brunvan explains, are kissing cousins of myths, fairy tales, and rumors. Legends differ from rumors because legends are stories with a plot, and unlike myths and fairy tales, they are supposed to be current and true, events rooted in everyday reality that at least could happen. Urban legends reflect modern-day societal concerns, hopes, and fears, but are weird whoppers we tell one another, believing them to be factual. The juxtaposition of the terms modern, contemporary, and urban and the word folklore may seem contradictory to those that think of folklore as charming, obsolete, unsophisticated traditions passed along by wheezing old gaffers and cackling crones in backwoods villages of bygone days. Urban legends, on the contrary, are realistic stories concerning recent events, or alleged events, with an ironic or supernatural twist. They are an integral part of white Anglio-American culture and are told and believed by some of the most sophisticated folk of modern society, young people, urbanites, and the well-educated. The storytellers assume that the true facts of each case lie just one or two increments back down the line with a reliable witness or in a news media report. The mass media themselves participate in the dissemination and apparent validation of urban, of urban legends, just as they sometimes do with rumor and gossip, adding to their plot's ability. But, as this book demonstrates, and this comes directly, this quote is written directly from uh, John Bruvan's, John Harold Bruvan's book. <clears throat> Urban legends are folklore, not history. In common with age-old folk legends about lost mines, buried treasure, omens, ghosts, and Robin Hood-like outlaw heroes, urban legends are told seriously, circulate largely by word of mouth, and are generally anonymous, and vary constantly in particular details from one telling to another, while always preserving a central core of traditional elements or motifs. To some degree, Again, like much other folklore, urban legends must be considered false, at least in the sense that the same rather bizarre events could not actually have happened in so many localities to so many aunts, cousins, neighbors, in-laws, and classmates of the hundreds and thousands of individual tellers of the tales. Both the narrative structure of these legends and their characteristic traditional folk motifs and oral variations disqualify them as literal accounts of actual events. The Hookman's Lane is a real locale in numerous communities, and a solid cement Cadillac has been reported reliably more than once, even photographed, even photographed. But the myriad retellings and relocalizations, sometimes internationally, of these stories reveal, beyond a doubt, that they are simply additional instances of our living folklore. Still, like traditional folklore, the stories do tell one kind of truth— they are unique, unselfconscious reflections of major concerns of individuals and societies in which the legends circulate.
because and end quote <clears throat> because of the nature of urban of urban <laughs> because of the nature of urban legends it is extremely hard if not impossible to find the true source of these stories which is why researchers like John Harold Brunvand uh, are so inspiring. Um, and more importantly, the website Snopes.com, which is currently in the midst of failing. Um, Snopes.com is where I ended up getting a lot of uh, information and sources for uh, this wonder segment. Um, if you've not heard of Snopes and not ever looked up Snopes, I highly, highly encourage everyone to check out their website and definitely find a way to support them. Um, because they are a, an unbiased site that simply finds the truth for all sorts of different everything, um, online. So, uh, their researchers have been able to, at least to the best of their ability, track down, uh, where a lot of these urban legends most likely got started, why they got started. Um, and then more than that, they dive into current, political and socio-economical uh, issues and take a look and figure out the truth behind them as well. So highly encourage everyone to go to Snopes.com and uh, give them a little bit of support, especially since they are currently floundering um, due to some pretty crazy stuff that you can read about on their website. Um, so with urban legends being so popular and so numerous – this can easily become a series. So for this first series, I want to share some of my favorite urban legends. But first, I want to ask Tyler if he has any favorite urban legends off the top of his head. <clears throat> um, I See, that's a hard question because I don't really know how to distinguish an urban legend from... Like, I think about, like, ghost stories. I think about the story from uh, our Halloween special, the very... I think that was, like, episode six. Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> the Mako Light. Um, stuff like that. I don't know if that counts as an urban legend, though. So, it's... From what I was able to understand doing this research... An urban legend is a story that gets retold in numerous different areas. Um, so I wouldn't call the Mako Light an urban legend. Yeah, okay. I would, then I would say uh, Aliens Landing at Roswell. Okay. Would you consider that an urban legend? It's spread around. I think Area 51 is one of the things that counts as an urban legend. Yeah, uh, yeah but that's different though. That's, yeah, that's that's its own thing versus aliens landing in Roswell. That's like Area Fifty One is a is a place. It is a thing. Well, so is Roswell. Yes, but the event of aliens landing there. Okay, you see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that's yeah. Like, I get what that's you're like saying. That's like a story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My uh, my my nephew was in the Air Force, and he yes, uh, you know my my that's an urban legend. Yeah, yeah my yeah, yeah. great uncle was you know whatever, and you know. There's how many people that talk about that or have yeah. witnessed it, you know? So that's the only one that really, uh, 
Yeah, I guess that's the only one that really comes to mind immediately. I'm probably going to be like, oh, yeah, duh, on a couple right. of these. And I have... I'm going to change something up. We're going to do something we've never done on Whiskey and Wonder. Before. We are? Yep. Or at least I am. You don't have to. You okay. don't have to if you don't want to. Okay. We'll get there when we get there. Oh, okay. So I don't have to do anything different right now? No. You keep keep... Rolling on. Okay. So for this first urban legend, um, this woman who, you know, she's really wealthy. Uh, we'll say she lives in Manhattan in like a sky rise. Um, she ends up going down and vacationing somewhere tropical, um, probably lower income, um, but a really warm tropical place. Uh, she falls asleep on the beach. When she wakes up, there's a spot on her cheek that's just this little red spot. It's kind of irritated, but she doesn't really think anything about it. Um, ends up, she continues on her vacation, whatever. As her vacation continues on, the, sparts, the spot starts to get bigger and kind of more inflamed. Um, she ends up going home, and when she's home back in Manhattan, the spot has become like this nasty boil-like thing on her face. Um and she decides she has to go to the doctor to get it lanced and figure out what's going on. Well, she goes to the doctor and she, they like start to like lance it and hundreds of spiders burst out of this uh, boil that was on her cheek. And it turned out when she was laying on a beach, a spider came up and laid eggs in her face. Um, obviously, this is not true not plausible in any way there's never been a reported true case of a spider laying eggs uh, inside people that's just something that does they don't do um according to arachnid experts no self-respecting spider will lay its eggs on or in a human a fact that roots the story squarely in the realm of lore Yes, there are other insects and crawly things out there that will use an unsuspecting person as a crush, but not a spider. Uh, this likely first got into the public mind in 1842 um, when Jeremias Gottelf wrote a short story titled De Schwarze Spinet. Uh, oh, yeah, I read that. Yeah, I'm sure you did. I'm also, no, I butchered that. It's German, and in it, a woman makes a pact with a devil, which is sealed by a kiss uh, on her cheek. When the devil is cheated by the villagers, a black boil grows on the spot where he kissed her. It eventually bursts, and venomous spiders crawl out of it. And though this isn't, you know, the exact story uh, the urban legend has become, it's the most likely and the oldest source uh, for this. So folklorists classify this tale as a woman's story told primarily by women to women because it reflects their disgust and revulsion towards insects and couples this reaction with a terror of anything, anything happening to their looks. The location of the bite on the cheek is considered important in that not only do creepy crawlies explode out of a human, they ruin the person's face in the process. In the mind's eye, one sees not only the spider bursting forth, but the gaping wound their frantic exit leaves behind. 
So have you ever heard of that one or one similar where you know they like spiders in the ear? Yeah, I actually was about to say I've heard of spiders in the ear. I've heard of other bugs under the skin, but most of the ones I've heard of are like documented cases. So it's like, you know, I, I couldn't tell you what bug it was specifically. Okay, I know there's like, what are they called? Bloat fi- bot flies? Yes, bot flies. Bot flies. Yes. Will do that. And there's some pretty gnarly videos on YouTube of popping yeah. those things out. That sounds like something Shelby would enjoy. <laughs> She's all about Dr. Pimple Popper. Hey, Shelby, you want to watch some bot fly coming out of people's bodies with me? Uh, let me know. My mom would be into that. Ugh. It's creepy, but it's so, I don't know what, satisfying? I don't know the word. Anyway, so that's uh, one of the first urban legends that kind of I've heard my entire life um, in various forms that definitely freaked me out, creeped me out. Um, as I've gotten older and I've come to like the creepy crawlies of the world, I'm not nearly as bugged. <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose. Going to make me do it. Yep. I was all right. Laid back and reclined. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had to lean all the way up and press the button. Sorry, man. <laughs> all right. Uh, so the next one was is sourced back to the 1950s, but it got really popular in 1960 when this was published in Dear Abby. It says, Dear Abby, if you are interested in teenagers, you will print this story. I don't know whether it's true or not, but it does not matter because it serves its purpose on me. A fellow and his date pulled into their favorite lover's lane to listen to the radio and do a little necking. The music was interrupted by an announcer who said there was an escaped convict in the area who had served time for rape and robbery. He was described as having a hook instead of a right hand. The couple became frightened and drove away. When the boy took his girl home, he went around to open the car door for her and then saw a hook on the door handle. I don't think I will ever park to make out as long as I live. I hope this does the same for other kids. This was published in Dear Abby in 1960. um, And similar tales have passed around forever. Makes me think of the hack slinging slasher in Spongebob. Hash. Hash. Hash sling slasher. Makes me think of that episode of Futurama where they go to the all robot planet <laughs> and they're, they essentially like the humans or the monsters. Yes. <laughs> and they have like a little horror film. It's almost exactly that situation. Yes. Except it's a human. <laughs> um, The probable roots of legends like this one is actual uh real life lovers lane murders distorted memories of it like um uh, most well not most famously but arguably most famously uh the zodiac killer uh targeted lovers lane uh quite often and you know it's uh, a scary story um for teenagers and what have you that want to go and have a little bit of mischief and fun and they come back in a pine box. 
I the Zodiac is not something I know a ton about. You're not a big true crime fan, though. No, no. Every once in a while, I I put on a podcast related to it, but usually I skip those episodes. Yeah, understandable. Um, I love true crime, so anything true crime, I will gobble up. Uh, real life roots or not, the hook has been legend for almost as long as anyone can remember. The key to this legend is usually the boyfriend's frustrated response to the girl's demand to end the date abruptly. Almost invariably, he is said to have gunned the engine and roared away. This behavior is essential to explain how the hook became ripped from the killer's arm and to underscore the moral of the tale. The boyfriend's, the boyfriend's frustration stems from sexual denial. His girlfriend's insistence on getting home right away puts the kibosh to any Randy thoughts he'd been hoping to turn into reality that night, and, he see, and he's pissed about it. The Hook is a cautionary tale about teenage sexuality. Unspoken in the story is the realization that if the girl hadn't said no, hadn't insisted upon leaving right away, the couple would have been killed. Two close calls are averted that night. The fatal encounter with a killing and, quote, going all the way. Refu refusal to do one saves the pair from the other. Urban legends are often little morality plays designed to instill an important lesson about societal mores. The hook is clearly one such tale, and its message is clear. Teens shouldn't have sex. Moreover, it's up to the girl to apply the brakes. Though her boyfriend might be upset at the time, not long after, he'll understand the wisdom of her refusal and thank her for it. Or at least so says the legend. <clears throat> All right. And next, uh, this one, I don't know. Did you do trick-or-treating as, as a quid? As a quid? Did you, did you do trick-or-treating? No, I I would I wasn't a quid. What about as a kid? Do no, you do it as a kid? I was an a uh, quidult. <laughs> I was born a quidult. Uh yes, I trick or treated as a child. Okay. Um <clears throat> did a couple years. Uh, I'd say most of my trick or treating was in neighborhoods and then every once in a while we do like a trunk or treat. Okay. Did your parents ever like before you got the candy, would they like go through it and make sure none of it was tampered with and everything? Yep. Yep, mine too. The reason for that is an urban legend. Somebody put razor blades in the... Pens and needles in Halloween candy. Yep. Bastards. Yep. That's really just... That's just a lie so the parents can get all the best <laughs> Get candy. all the good candy. <laughs> So, although random Halloween candy poisonings are confined to the realm of ur urban legendary, many actual cases of tampered trick-or-treat loot involving the insertion of pins, needles, or razor blades have been documented. They're, these cases constitute a different class of tampering than poisoning for a couple reasons. First, the expected level of harm is severely reduced. Poison is an attempt to kill. A pin in an apple is an attempt to frighten or injure. Professional, professor, <laughs> professor Joel Best reported that he was able to track about 80 cases of sharp objects in food incidents since 1959, and almost all were hoaxes. Only about 10 culminated in even minor injury, and in the worst case, a woman required a few stitches. 
Compared to eat something and die, a couple stitches barely registers on the scale. Second, the motivation for pins and needles tampering is different. As I said before, poison is an attempt to kill, but hiding a needle in an apple is almost always a prank, not a serious attempt to cause harm. In those instances where one such an insertion could be traced back to a specific person, it was almost always some kid intent on freaking out either his little brother or his parents or getting the community in an uproar as his version of a cute Halloween trick. Pranking, especially when it's scary or or a slightly mean one, is part of Halloween, and the various kids or young adults who've tampered with treats most likely never fully considered the potential consequences of the joke prior to embarking on it. When presented with a matchless opportunity to throw a scare into a pesky kid brother, who stops to think that Junior might get hurt? According to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, an incident that broke with this expected pattern occurred in Minneapolis in 2000, 2000, when 49-year-old James Joseph Smith was charged with one count of adultering a substance with intent to cause death harm, or illness after he, it was determined he'd put needles in Snickers, bar, in Snickers bars and handed them out to children on Halloween. A 14-year-old boy was pricked by a needle hidden in a bar he'd bitten into, but no one required medical attention. See, my dumbass would have been the one that swallowed the needle. <laughs> or it had gone through me because I would have been hailed that Snickers. <laughs> so this... Uh, the pens and needles, razor blades and stuff in candy went crazy and got super crazy popular in Halloween of 1982. And I know that means nothing to Tyler, but those of you guys who are big true crime uh, fans might know that 1982 is the year of the Tylenol poisonings. Um, and that was when a crazy person basically, uh, replaced Tylenol with like cyanide and uh, seven seven people ended up passing away. Um, and it got everyone in uproar about making sure like there was now seals and tamper-proof packaging on things. That's why there's fucking... Yep. That's why there's seals rappers. on everything. Yeah. Because one psycho just... One bad apple spoiled it for the bunch. Yep. <clears throat> That was a weird noise. That's me being sick. So mm. I'm like, sorry, I did it right in the mic too. Just blah, 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 blah. what a sound. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right. How are we doing on time, Tyler? We are 59 minutes. Okay, I can do a couple more. Yeah. I can do a couple more. Like I said, this can be easily be a series. Um,. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get my the scary story I always told at sleepovers and stuff out of the way um, because it's pretty damn morbid. Um, but it was always, as a kid, my go-to scary story. Um, and this one does have a couple of variations. And, of course, the one I like is just, or the one I told as a child is just the most fucked up one. So... Um, it turns out that this girl had uh, recently went to college and she was living on her own for the first time. She was scared living on her own and decided to get a dog. So she went to the animal shelter and she adopted a yellow lab or some sort of like big, goofy, friendly dog. 
And she was up late one night studying and she had the TV on in the background and a news report came on. And the news report said that this maniac psycho had escaped from an insane asylum and uh, it was nearby where she was and, you know, to lock all your doors and windows and make sure that, you know, you, you, this guy couldn't get in, whatever. So she walks around her new house, uh, making sure all the doors and windows are locked. And she gets down into the basement and the basement is, has a window that has just a tiny, tiny little crack. And she cannot close the window. It's stuck. It won't open anymore, but it won't close either. Um, and she thinks, well, shit, she can't lock that window, but she can't get it open either. So she doesn't worry about it too much. She goes to bed. Um, she's a little nervous, but every hour as she's laying in bed um, in the dark, she tells her do- her dog, hey, go go check the house. Go walk around, check out the house. And so... Every hour the dog goes and walks around the house, comes back and licks her hand and tells her that it's okay. And she does that every hour on the hour. Um, Until one time she goes, she sends him to check around the house and um, she hears him come back in the room and she goes, lick my hand, lick my hand. And the dog doesn't lick her hand and she keeps going, come on, dog, lick my hand, lick my hand. And finally the dog goes up and licks her hand and she feels better and she goes to sleep. She wakes up the next morning and goes downstairs and finds the body of her dog on the floor and written uh, in the dog's blood on the wall is humans can look hands too. (laughs) Stupid, horrible story. Always what I told as a fifth grader at Girl Scout campfires. Don't know why. I'm fucked up in the head. You want to know what the scariest part of that whole story was? What? the outrageous price that her energy bill was going to be because she had a fucking window that wouldn't open or close. That's the scariest part. Terrified. You said that. I was like, God damn, I got to get this fucking window fixed. I don't, it's, it's a fake house and a fake story. And that was where my, my head went. I would, that would drive me insane. Well, that is how you can tell we are both now adults. Yep. Because that is also the first thing I think of re-looking at the story as an adult. I'm like, damn, that's... That's a sh- like that's, that's a problem. That's a window. big problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's... Two inches open. That's not something you just ignore. Yeah. Um, you should have known that before the night the k- killer escaped. But. Yep. Anyway, uh, there's several variations on this story. Um, one goes that... The girl is at a college dorm and she comes back to her dorm late and her roommate's sleeping. So she doesn't want to turn on the light to disturb her roommate. So she keeps the light off and just goes to bed in the dark. Wakes up the morning with a note that says, aren't you glad that you didn't turn the light on and her roommate's murdered? Um, Just different horrible things like that. Uh, This is uh, an urban legend that still pops up in variations pretty frequently, even today, um, and has passed around a lot on college campuses um, and on, like, Facebook. And I don't, do people still do Yik Yak? I know Yik Yak was big when I was in college. What the hell is Yik Yak? Oh, Yik Yak was so much fun. It was... <sighs> Anyone who knows what Yik Yak is, who had Yik Yak, fucking email us. Yik Yak was like a message board that was completely anonymous that only posted around like a, I don't know, two mile radius of you or something. 
it was huge on UNCC's campus. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember that. I remember using it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> I remember just trolling on it. I remember seeing a bunch of titties on there. <sighs> yeah. And I'll just leave it at just, that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I remember seeing stuff like this on Yik Yak, like yeah. watch out for, you know, blah, 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 just people trying to scare other people. Um, now this is another one kind of like the hook that has many different, um, sources goes back very, very long time. Um, and uh, let's see, it looks like the first written recording of this was penned in England in August of 1871. So this urban legend has been around literally over a century. Just kidding. No, it has been over a century, hasn't it? I'm sorry, I was making a note. What what date did you give? 1871. Yeah, that's like that's a century a and a years. half. Yeah, holy shit. Time is That would have been 1971. Jesus. We're in 2020. I don't, uh, for some reason 20, I was. 2021 was 150 years. I, for some reason, got confused on if a century was a thousand years or a hundred. And then I remembered centennial is a yeah, hundred. It's not just words. It's numbers too today. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it in the mic. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't even catch you it. You didn't know. And I think I was like laughing or talking at the That's same time. That's fine. It'll we'll blend see if in. You can fuck it up. Yeah, Sorry. It'll blend in. So first appeared in 1871. Um, and this is an urban legend that basically uh, gets told a lot around college campuses and younger adults because it's scary being on your own for the first time. Um, and I, there's not really anything more I can say to that other than, you know, growing up and becoming an adult sucks. And this is an herbal legend that just says, you know, fuck, stay, stay home, stay a kid, don't pay bills. Life's rough. Don't move Fuck it. that. <laughs> Go out, be an adult, get your independence. It's way better. I want my independence without the financial responsibility that comes along with it. Hell, well, that, all right. Yeah, I agree with that. That's why you bust ass and invest and start a business or something like that, and you find ways to grow your money and retire at 40. Yeah. 45. Yeah, that's the goal. Piss around for 20, 25 years and then croak. <laughs> In your 60s? If you're 45, 25 years puts you at 70. I mean, truthfully, I don't want to live much longer than that anyway. Okay. That's about when your body starts going, so. I'm terrified of death, so. You mean, you do you. I'd want to live forever. Fuck that shit. Been there, done that. It ain't that bad. <laughs> True. True. No, knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't need to do again anytime soon. Just because I've been there don't mean I want to go back right now. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. So this is a um, urban legend that 
I guess, isn't going to be really popular anymore. Um, it was more popular when you and I were growing up and stuff because it involves having a landline phone. Um, nowadays, uh, I don't know if you could do this particular urban legend with a cell phone. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, a young couple living in a large, isolated house had gone out to a dinner party one evening and left a babysitter in charge of their two children. The children had been put to bed and the babysitter was watching the television with the phone ring. She answered, but all she heard was a man laughing hysterically and then a voice saying, I'm upstairs with the children, you'd better come up. Thinking it was one of those phone calls or a practical joke, she slammed down the receiver and turned the television sound up. A short time later... The phone rang again, and as she picked it up, the unmistakable, hysterical laughter came down the line, and the voice once again said, I'm upstairs with the children. You'd better come up. Getting rather frightened, she called the operator and was advised they would notify the police should he phone again. Could she keep him talking in order to give them time to trace the call and have him arrested? Minutes after she replaced the receiver, the phone rang again, and when the voice said, I'm upstairs with the children. You'd better come up. She tried to keep him talking. However, he must have guessed what she was trying to do and he put the phone down. Only seconds later, the phone rang again. This time it was the operator who said, get out of the house straight away. The man is on the extension. The babysitter put down the phone and just then heard someone coming down the stairs. She fled from the house and ran straight into the arms of the police. They burst into the house and found a man brandishing a large butcher's knife. He had entered the house through an upstairs window murdered both the children, and was just about to do the same to the poor babysitter. So this has been a movie called uh, When a Stranger Calls, which is literally this story. There is someone calling. They're already in the house. Um, and then it's been parodied in lots of other things as well. Um there is the movie Black Christmas, which features this same type of story, and it's also featured in the film Urban Legend. Um, this deals with insecurity felt by adolescents as they were required to accept increasing responsi responsibilities uh, while making the transition to adulthood. The teenage girl is not simply left alone to fend for herself, but she is also made responsible for the safety of other children in what might be considered a dress rehearsal for motherhood. She fails at her task in the most catastrophic manner, with the implication that she is at least partly to blame for being too absorbed in watching television, and in a delicious irony, she herself is threatened enough through the instrument that is a teenager's girl's favorite means of social communication." <clears throat> I think you could do everything but the operator. Yeah? How would she know that the person's upstairs? GPS tracing? Oh, that's true. That's true. Know. Yeah, I guess you could make it work. Yeah. You could find a way to make it a more modern tale. What I'm learning from these things is um, keep a gun or two in the house. <laughs> Shoot anybody that's inside your house and not supposed to be. Ask questions later. Does North Carolina have a make my day law? I don't know about a make my day, but it, it's got a stand your ground law. 
Is that in Colorado? I don't, it was called make my day law. That's what my fa- my family always called it. Yeah. Basically, if someone's on your I property like and they're like, you have full right to shoot someone on your property when you tell them they are not supposed to be. I think in North Carolina, you have to like announce that you have a firearm and that you will shoot them and blah, blah, blah. Freaking. Uh, yeah. Can't just shoot somebody in your freaking house that's not supposed to be. Mm. I assume somebody in my house that's not supposed to be is a threat. Threat to mine and whoever else is in my house is, you know, that's supposed to be their lights. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, stand your ground law and make my day. Law are the same. Yeah. It's the same law. Um, and North Carolina and Colorado have one. Yes. So you reasonably believe that such force is necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm to himself or herself or another. You can impose deadly force on an intruder if you feel threatened. Yep. Now you can't, uh, like, say you're, I don't know, say you hear something, hear a window break or the door bust open. And, I don't know, you say, who's there? You know, when you get your gun and you say, who's there, blah, blah, blah. And this person, like, snatches a purse off, you know, off the coffee table or something. And runs out the door and you chase. And Mm. let's say they're running across the yard away from you and you shoot them in the back. Yeah. Even though they stole property. That doesn't count. They're not not threatening you. They're not a threat to you at that point. They have to be actively threatening you. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, I think I'm going to end it at that urban legend today. Okay. Um, I had a couple more we can do, but I don't want to make this too crazy long. Okay. So. We're sitting there about an hour 15. So Yeah, we're at a good spot. That sounds like a plan. Trivia with Tyler. Um, well, I had it pulled up and then I got searching for my mac and cheese recipe and... (laughs) You lost it. Yeah, well, I didn't lose it. It's just... Oh, yeah. No, I did lose it. Crap. You just have to find it again. Okay. Well, as you do that, I'm going to add water. Yeah, I added water and I drank the whole thing. Um, all right. Here we are. So, astronauts need to sleep near air vents. Otherwise, they risk carbon dioxide from their own lungs forming a bubble around their head. Due to the weightlessness. And that can suffocate them. That's terrifying. Yep. Wow. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I've got a good one coming up in a couple couple episodes. Let's see. One, two, one, two, three episodes. Three episodes. I got a good trivia with Tyler. All right. Hang on to your butts. <clears throat> so with that, we're skipping mailbag. We don't have any mail. And you don't have to just email us. You can send us a message on uh, Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the face, uh, yeah, the face thing. Facebook. Yeah. I don't Whatever even, that I don't even like to call it its name. <laughs> um, but all right, let's let's talk some about this whiskey. <laughs> I'm going to let you start 
Okay. Because we're going to do something that we don't normally do, or at least I am. Like I said, you don't have to participate if you don't want to. Okay. But you go ahead and give yours, and I'm going to run and grab something, and you listen while I'm doing that. Okay. Uh, you go ahead and do that. That's weird. I think this would be great in a cream soda, like as a mixer. Um, I think it would, I, I, it may, it, I think it would be like a campfire marshmallowy, s'mores type experience. Um, uh, drinking it just straight. Um, I mean, it gets repetitive. Um, I added water to it. Um, I haven't tasted enough since adding a couple of drops in to see what I'm thinking. Um, initially I felt like maybe the water, uh, added some more flavor than just a, uh, what you might call it, a uh, fire, <laughs> um, maybe the it stick it, from the marshmallow. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's a little bit more to it than that with water in it. I disagree. I didn't think water changed it at all. Um, and in response to your putting it in a cream soda. <laughs> so. All right. I just poured a lot more water into it. Okay. <laughs> I put like four drops and I didn't leave that much. So it should have meshed well. Maybe. I mean, there is definitely not a huge change with water in it. Maybe it's a little tiny, 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 tiny bit sweeter. Um, but yeah, the more I try it with the water in it, the more it's it's the same old thing. So I've added just a smidge back to my glass here. Megan still got a little bit in hers. Yeah, I just want to remind myself because I finished I finished mine uh, about two thirds of the way through the wonder segment. Uh huh. Um, so I'm just going to remind myself what the flavor profile is. Okay. All right. I'm still confused on what you're doing. I'm going to compare this to the only whiskey I've ever had that kind of tastes like that. (laughs) Okay. I pulled out the High West Campfire. You want in? No, you tell me what you think, though. I got to drive. I'm just pouring a teeny, teeny. Oh, just a teeny, teeny taste? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. I'll do that. I wanna I wanna clean this out though. Okay. So I'm gonna pour a little water. Uh all right. Let's pour a little bit of water in her. And then we're gonna swish her around. Yeah, and I know this water is gonna impact the campfire a little bit. A little but. bit, but hopefully not much. We're gonna swish her around and then we're gonna take all the water back. Uh-huh. And we're gonna shake the glass out on Tyler's floor, because that's what he did. Yep, it's water. And so that's what we're going to do. I'm just going to put just a teeny tiny splash in here. And then Tyler's going to give me also a teeny tiny splash. Did we rate this one? Campfire? Yeah. Uh, We did. Hold on. I'll look it up. Okay. I wonder if I can pull it up faster. Is that enough? That's too Uh, much? Too much. A little bit less. I'm going to try. That was just like a splish splash. Splish splash. All right. All right. Oh, no. Just enough to taste. Just to compare. 
All right, let's go over to whiskeys. We've tried. Um, this is not considered a bourbon or anything, is it? Is it under other styles? Um, high West no, Campfire. Not. High West is Whiskey it? Campfire. I gave it oh, a yeah. five. You gave it a seven point five. Yep. So let's see if this is as good as goat or let's. Smell wise is different. Way different. Smell wise, it is. I would. Weird as it is, goat smells more like a campfire. A thousand times more like campfire. This I doesn't smell like fucking campfire at all now. No, it doesn't. This smells. Uh... Oh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's I don't like... either, but not like a campfire. Ain't no marshmallow sticks in her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you try it, you tell me. And the first ever Whiskey and Wonder, we went to the cabinet. We pulled something out to compare it. Other than we've done like specials to compare. Well, this now tastes like NyQuil. That's what it smelled like. That's what I couldn't put the couldn't put the it finger on. Tastes like NyQuil. And it smells like NyQuil. It, yeah, it smells like Robitussin, like yes. that cherry medicine. Yes, that's exactly what it tastes like. It has the oh. same feel in your mouth, too. Tastes literally 0% like a campfire. If we're comparing who is more campfire-like, goat wins 100%. Not even a competition. Yeah, I get it, Robitussin. Yeah, it that tastes like kind of ruined campfire for me. Yep. Tastes like fucking sick medicine. Mm. It's not good. Well, that was a shit idea. That was horrible. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> like I oh. would go back if I on yeah. what I just tasted went and re back and redid my review, that loses its five. That loses its five down to a one. That's disgusting. I yeah, hate it. That would be pretty damn low. Um so goat maybe our palate maybe is fucked. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna come back to campfire one day this week, but oof. Yeah. It so. literally tastes like I'm so ready to eat this cookie as soon as we wrap up here. Damn, I've been looking at that cookie the <laughs> whole time I ate mine. And I one hundred percent was like, Megan's not gonna eat that. She put it behind her laptop. It's <laughs> She forgot all about it. She doesn't want that thing. And I talked myself into it. I was getting another cookie. Do you want half? No, you eat it. I don't need another cookie. <laughs> all right. So at the end of the day, talk to me about goat. Give me a number. All right. Well, goat at the end of the day is not the greatest whiskey of all time. Uh, I'm very sorry. It is a good whiskey for what it is. Um, I would mix it with like I want I want to try it with cream soda. I would probably pull it out to drink every so often. That's a unique flavor pr- profile that uh, if I had friends who like whiskey, I would probably pull out for them to try because it is definitely unique. Um, but it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, <gasps> I hate to say that um because they're they are a small company they're local um but 
I think uh, Doodle needs to work on his recipe for whiskey a little bit before it can be considered the greatest of all time. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you've said. Uh, well, not true. I disagree with... Mixing it with cream soda. No, I disagree with mixing it, period. Oh. I don't think that campfire flavor is going to mix very well with anything. Anything? I'll no. let you know if I get cream soda how it how it goes. Yeah. Uh, I... This is, uh, there's a word for this kind of bottle. Um, what do you call it when you have something just for like fun and to show off? And novelty? Novelty. This is a novelty bottle. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. This is something I would pull out like, oh, try this just to see the look Reaction. on somebody's face. Yeah. yeah. It's not something, I might dip into it. Every once in a while, if I wanted something smoky. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, it's it's not a bad flavor. It's just not personally a flavor I seek out. Agreed. Um, so. Agreed. I, I'm, I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm going to disagree with Megan there, too. I don't think it's bad. I didn't say it, it was. I just said it's not good. Oh, yeah, that's right. You said it's not good. Um, it, it's just not for me. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, I forgot to put us back on our normal slot here. There you can see my cool graphics if you're on YouTube. <laughs> I can't go low like down here because you can't see my hand, so I have to do it above. You can point. It's down. Yeah, oh, you oh, can oh, see oh. our name. Yep, they went away. Um, that's the magic. <laughs> what they call it in the biz oh <laughs> fancy <laughs> I yeah i wish um all right number wise i well after knowing i gave high west a five and it tasted like that i feel you like you can't you can't hold that against I anything can't, because our palate has been has been different so yeah i yeah. can't think of that because originally i was going to give this guy a three but then i tried high west and i was like oh that's so much worse yeah, take High West out because okay. we've we've our palates are different. If we just had High West, it might Nothing be else. completely it might be different. different. Okay, yep. three. It's a three. That's exactly what I was thinking. We've been in lockstep the last couple of weeks. I think we've had. Uh, let's see, we had the double oaked last week as both sixes. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, poop. I know we did a scotch. We did copper dog mm -hmm. scotch, um, but apparently it didn't make its way onto <laughs> the internet. Let's You're gonna have to fix try that. that. I had it typed. I just didn't, didn't update save it. it. Um, eight and a half and eight for copper dog. What did we do before that? Sixty six. Kentucky Spirit single barrel from Wild Turkey, seven and a half each. We've been on the same We've page. Been on the for, same page for four episodes now. What did we do before that? I don't know. That would be sixty-five, which was the old Poly Road, the one I brought back from Hawaii. We differed there. You did a six and a half. I did a five. But the uh, the week prior to that was the 
Double Rye Barrel Select from High West. We both gave it a six. We've been on the same page. That's what, six? Ish. Yeah, six or seven. All but one episode in the last six or seven episodes. That was that was 64 and we're on 69. So that's five out of the last six we've been basically on the same page. All right. If you guys didn't guess, I'm going with a three. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if I said that. Um. Goat. It's all right. Yeah. Good novelty whiskey, like you yeah. said. Yep. So. And we uh, have another one of their whiskeys to try at a later date, too. So we'll uh, see if that's any better. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to tell them about it. OK, go ahead. Because this, this is the, the they make that one, right? Yep. This whiskey has Carolina Reapers infused in it somehow. They're, they make a Carolina Reaper whiskey, this company does. Carolina Reaper, for those of you who don't know, is the hottest pepper in the world. I am so terrified of that whiskey. <laughs> I have flat out told Megan, I was like, we're doing that on a Sunday when I don't have to work on Monday for multiple reasons. <laughs> I'm uh, uh, kind of scared, but kind of really excited. I look forward to the next Monday you have off because I want to try it so bad. Yeah. <laughs> that makes one of us. Um. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yes. Thank you, guys. We'll let you get out of here. Yeah, we're running, running right about an hour and a half, so we're going to get off of here. Remember, check us out on social media. Um, join up at Patreon to see Megan's blog, to get early access on the, uh, to the episodes. Um, like I said, I am flirting with the idea of doing some live streams where you guys can get involved, all the patrons and the infinity bottle. I think that is something that we will probably start. Um, we'll buy it an infinity bottle and let you guys let our patrons vote on Excuse me, vote on whether a whiskey goes in there or not. Mm-hmm. You can choose to be really nice and put stuff that we really enjoy. Or you or guys you can, can be a bunch of assholes and put stuff like, you know, the Carolina Reaper whiskey in there. <laughs> Your choice. I look forward to it. Um, if you guys do have any uh, urban legends that I didn't cover today that you want to talk about or share... Uh, email us. Uh, if you just have anything, please email us contact at whiskeyandwonder.com. Thank you guys so much for sticking around and all your support. Like, share, subscribe. Thank you to our donors and all the amazing things you do. Uh, have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Absolutely. Don't, <laughs> oh, sorry. I, yeah, I, yeah I just, interrupted me. I just wanted to say keep kicking ass, Ukraine. Yes. Yes. Ukraine. On that note, don't drink and drive. Cheers. I was horrible. I hate it.